Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is Brian Garris, the front man from the incredible hardcore band Knocked Loose. I really hope if you're listening to this, you've heard this band before, but if you haven't, go back and listen to their most recent EP, A Tear in the Fabric of Life. It is absolutely unbelievable and came out at the tail end of last year and it hasn't stopped being played on my Spotify for the last few weeks. It's absolutely awesome. But the good thing is, as you're listening to this interview right now and if you're based in the UK, the band are just about to embark on a UK tour. Go and check them out because you will not see a better show this year. They are absolutely phenomenal and have just come off the back of an amazing tour over in the US with Gajira. But this time they're headlining dates in the UK and you will not regret getting a ticket. So that interview is coming up with you in just a few moments time. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I always like to use the intro of every episode to touch base and talk about my last episode. I was joined on episode 182 by Matthew Pfeiffer. He's an amazing director and we got to sit down and talk all about his brand new film Cicada. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that tuned in. I've had some incredible DMs and Facebook comments and it's amazing to see the response that has come from this episode. And anyone that checked out the film, please let me know because I love hearing the feedback. But let's get back to today's episode. It's all about Knock Loose. Honestly, one of the best hardcore bands out there right now. And Brian is an incredible guest. So I think the best thing to do is to get straight to it. So here's me and Brian talking all things music. So Brian, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Brian, what I want to do today, there will be fans that know your music, but I want to take it back to the very beginning. So when you were growing up, can you talk to me about maybe some of the first albums you bought or bands you saw live that made you fall in love with music? Yeah, so I feel like um, I feel like live music came after I was already in love with music. I feel like I like discovered a love for music and then had to see it live. Yeah. So I was like growing up, I came from a very musical household. Um, I always say that like you were more likely to come into my house and have music blaring than the TV on. They just all my parents always had music and um, both of them huge fans of music and huge open minded fans of music. So like sometimes you'd come over and it would be country. Sometimes you'd come over and it would be it was mainly like hip hop and like 90s R&B stuff. But sometimes it's country, sometimes it's rock and then so i think that i grew up with just like a general appreciation for anything musically and um when i was like in middle school that's when i kind of discovered like a heavier like metal and alternative music and from there i just went down the rabbit hole of like gathering any music that i possibly could that was remotely similar so it started with bands like Slipknot and Corn, and from there it just spiraled and um that was when that was when you could watch like metal music videos on tv yeah the good old days yeah so i would watch headbangers ball with a with a notebook oh, i used to love that yeah me too i would watch it every saturday with a notebook and i would write down any band that i thought sounded cool and then i would spend the rest of the week trying to downloaded or go out and get their cd like i remember one of the first cds one of the first metal cds because i had bought i had gotten a couple like hip-hop cds before i found metal but 
Um, I remember when Under Oath was bringing out their only chasing safety, and I was like, I begged my mom to take me to the store so that I could buy it. Um, and when I got there, it, they didn't have it. I guess it wasn't out yet, or they had gotten it, it sold out, or whatever it may be, but they just didn't have it. And I was like, uh, devastated. So I remember I bought a Misfits CD and I had never even heard of the Misfits, but my mom took me all the way to the mall and I saw the CD and it said there was a poster inside of it. And I was going through the phase of trying to cover my wall and posters. So I was like, I'm just going to buy this CD because it has a poster in it. And that's amazing. Yeah. Through that, I, I ended up like obviously loving the Misfits. And obviously, when you're growing up, you know, you're buying those albums and you're spending a lot of money at the time. It wasn't all streaming like Spotify and stuff. So you're really taking the time and those CDs are really precious. You're reading the inlays, looking at the lyrics and listening to an album from start to finish. And it all changes when you go and see a band live, doesn't it? Because you see it in front of you and you can hear those songs that you fell in love with on a whole different level. Now, can you remember those first gigs you went to that blew your mind where you were like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is fucking blowing my mind. Yeah. So my first, um, like live music experience was, uh, I went to see Suicide Silence and, uh, I got to see them with Mitch Lucker, rest in peace um the, their original vocalist and yeah like you said it blew my mind it like definitely changed things for me it was i went into it just n not knowing what to expect whatsoever and i showed up to like a, a fairly small club and there was no barricade and i fought i fought my way to the front and i was just up front for the entire show and um face to face with the entire band and i remember just like it i was just hooked from that moment on and also like like i said i discovered live music second to my love for music so my mom was like pretty um nervous about me going to these shows she just didn't know what they were were about she just knew that i was listening to this like crazy music um so for that show she actually took me and stayed because she wanted to like make sure that I was okay. And then she saw that everything was fine. And then from that point on, I could go to any show that I wanted to. So um, that just opened up the floodgates of me going to shows like every month, every, every time that I could. And then through that found like the local music scene. So then I was going even more regularly. And was that then giving you a taste of what you wanted to do? Because obviously enjoying bands, listening to them is very different than being in one. At what point was it you thought, do you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to get up on stage and be like these bands I'm watching that are local. Yeah. So I I, I actually wanted to play guitar first. Um, but I just don't think that I had the, the patience for it really. But I listened to a lot of bands like... Um, you know, like Azalea Dying, like yeah. really guitar-heavy, riffy bands. Um, that stuff was like so popular then, and it made me want to play guitar. So for Christmas one year, I got a guitar, and I got a little bitty amp, and I got like a, I think it was just like a grunge pedal. And um, I tried to learn a couple songs, but ultimately just like wasn't patient enough for it. I didn't practice enough. Um, and then... 
one of my friends actually who played drums was jamming with a group of guys and I remember one time me and him were at my house just goofing off listening to music and I remember specifically what I was listening to it was Job for a Cowboy the song is What We Once Called Home and we were goofing off singing along like trying to mimic his like low voice and um my friend was like you don't suck <laughs> and he was like you should like come meet these guys that i'm jamming with and like maybe sing and i was like okay like at that point i was just so excited to like be in like a room making music that i was just like yeah sure and like i didn't write lyrics i had never practiced but from that point on i just started like screaming in my bedroom and like trying to teach myself how to do it listening to other people trying to figure out like what i was going to sound like and then yeah it just kind of went from there and at that point obviously someone saying you're not shit is like a hell of a compliment you know like you can do this but um at what point was it that you were actually finding some close-minded friends that wanted the same things as you because it being in a band there's so many different dynamics there's so many different minds there's so many different people that want different things but when was it that you actually felt you could work with a set of musicians that were on the same page as you um i honestly would probably say that that was like the earliest days of knocked loose because like the bands that i was in before knocked loose um it was always just me kind of like jumping around and with different groups of people just to keep playing music but it wasn't ever like seriously about creating it it was more so just something allowing me to do it at whatever cost so like i had never written lyrics before knock loose i've always been the singer but i would like i remember i joined a band when i was in high school and they wrote this song and they were like all right um scream over it and i was like well you got to write something because like i don't write lyrics so like they they sat there in their practice spot in front of me and they all just like kind of collabed on like a little thing of lyrics <laughs> and I had something to scream and i was i just like never really tried and um but then when i met so i met isaac our guitar i knocked loose's guitar player through kevin which is our bass player yeah i've known him for since elementary school technically um but he said that he was jamming with this guy and he wanted me to meet him and i went over there and i kind of had an idea of what i wanted to do vocally at this point um so i went to meet him and it was me him and isaac and a different guy on drums and they they played and i remember leaving and being like isaac's way too metal like, I'm not trying to do something so metal. Like, I'm, I'm trying to do something a little bit more, like, punk at the time. And I, I kind of wrote it off. I was like, whatever. And then just kept hanging out with them and growing close with them. And then, like, those earliest years, like, it felt like we sounded different every time we got together. Because it was just, it was just m mainly me, Isaac, and Kevin just really taking the time to try everything until we found out what we're all most comfortable with. Yeah. And, and that took a lot of experimenting. And, and I think that that was really 
what allowed us to become so comfortable with each other because it was like we would we would like close in on one sound for so long and we would focus on it and focus on it and um we would write like an entire ep and this was before we ever played shows but we would write like a whole demo and then we would be like oh let's scratch it like we want to do something else so um it's funny to think we were just like every genre you could imagine we just like tried it to try to figure out what we wanted and then ultimately we realized that we just kind of wanted to be heavy yeah and that's when we like we got some of the songs that ended up being on our first ep and we were like let's play shows like we've we've been we probably jammed with each other and, and worked on stuff for a year before we ever played a show um so we were like let's just play shows and then from there, all the songs changed even more because we're very much a kind of band that like bases what we sound like off of what we enjoy to play live. And it's yeah. that's not necessarily like how the crowd reacts, but just in general, like you see something work live, you want to keep doing it. Um, so it's just, I would say that even to this day, it's just constantly been evolving. And I suppose there must have been a moment when it clicked and you, like you said, you just all knew you wanted to be heavy instead of trying to define it to a certain genre. You just wanted to produce heavy music and get that voice across. And, you know, can you remember those first sort of shows where you took this sound and you wanted to try and, you know, win crowds over? I'm sure you weren't doing a headline tour at the start, so you were probably supporting other bands or playing local shows and stuff like that. Can you remember the kind of anxiety before going on stage thinking, fucking hell, I really hope they dig what we're doing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm like a very nervous person in general. I still like, um, I get nervous for every show to this day. It's just like something that I, I can't help. And like the important shows are even worse. So in the early days, very nervous. I think that I was also at a point where it had been a while since I had played shows or been in a band. A couple years had passed. So I was really excited to get back into it and that kind of like overshadowed the anxieties that I had and once Knock Loose finally started playing shows we hit the ground running we played like every local show that we could be on um and every kind of local show I, there were literally times um in the first like year of us being a band that we would play Friday Saturday Sunday all at home like same venue but it would be three different shows it would be like a hardcore show a pop punk show and a black metal show and we just opened all of them and we just wanted it to where like any flyer that you saw had our name on it um so it was impossible to avoid us and then from there uh, a really good friend of mine that's a bit older um and a, a huge part in how i discovered like hardcore in the local scene he was a promoter in Louisville for 10 plus years. So he knew all these people from out of town. So he started hitting up people in like Indiana and Ohio and Tennessee and being like, yo, put Knock Loose on your local shows. And I remember he came to me and he was like, hey, I got you a show in Indiana. Fucking and, I was, and I was like, dude, I don't, like we didn't drive. I didn't even have a car. I, was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. So he he borrowed his boss's um florida explorer suv 
Wow. And drove us all to Indiana, like packed the car full of our gear or as much as we could fit in it, drove us to Indiana to play. And then we would just do that for all these like tri-state shows. And we were just playing like as much as possible until we finally went on tour and then kind of kept the the same model when we started touring. We just started touring as much as possible. I mean, it's a great way to do it. And like you said, to be on every fly that you could and get as many shows as you can. And I know times change now where you can't tour and it's only just now that you can start going back on the road. But that is the way to do it, isn't it? With bands that are listening and want to try and make a name for themselves, you just need to play as many shows as you can, as often as you can. Yeah, I think that... um... I think you need to play bad shows, not like actively set out to play bad shows, but don't be afraid to play the shows that aren't a slam dunk. And yeah. I think that that does a lot for bands. And I mean, we played a lot of bad shows. We, we did a lot of, we did years of touring before anyone really cared um, to, and played like, some very very funny shows and but it, i mean it, it makes the good ones even better and i feel like nowadays you see bands pop up and they only want to play the festivals or they or they want to wait until they get the right offer and it's like you should be doing it for the the excitement of doing it not just waiting for the success do you kind of strive on the fact that those early shows and even you know most recently some of the support slots you've done with big, you know the bigger bands and the bigger more established bands do you kind of see it as a challenge to go on there and know those people are probably there for the main act but you want to try and win them over so that's your opportunity to hopefully see them then at the merch stand buying a t-shirt or hopefully going home and downloading your album or something is that like an opportunity to kind of show who you are yeah absolutely and um and yeah back in the day it was like you were you were fighting for it because there's not a lot of people there. So you want to make sure that you give them a crazy show to go tell their friends. And then it's, it's, it's on, it's straight up like the same thing. Like we just opened a tour for Gojira. just like huge metal band. I've got tickets for them in the UK in March. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. So, Unbelievable. Um, anyone listening that doesn't know who they are, they're like this giant metal band from France. And it was the biggest us tour that we have ever done and um going into it like you said it's playing to a lot of people that are just there for gojira and some nights you would see it you would see them at the barricade and you would know that they're just waiting for gojira but we would some nights we would win them over and you would watch when it clicked like there would be like a riff or something that sounds super metal i remember one specific thing um i'll try to describe it for the people that are listening because it was hilarious but there was this guy front row at the barricade with his wife older guy bald head gray goatee super metal looking he looked like he probably rode a motorcycle there sleepless shirt he's standing there watching us the entire show straight face just not bobbing his head couldn't couldn't enjoy it if he tried and he's just standing there watching isaac watching me like just panning around and then we played our song oblivion's peak which starts with a very like metal like slayer inspired guitar riff and the second the song started i, I just watched it like overcome his body <laughs> and 
his eyes got really big and he just threw both hands in the air and gave us metal horns and just screamed. He just went, yeah. And I was like, well, dude, we got him. So like that that's kind awesome. Of stuff, yeah, it was hilarious. And that, and that stuff would happen a lot on that tour. Um, and yeah, it makes you like work for it. And I think that, I don't think that there's ever a, a time when you really should stop working for it. I mean, unless you're Metallica, like, what do you, I, I see a lot of bands either like wait until they get the right offer or I see bands grind. And then once they get to a certain point, they're like, Oh, we made it. And it's like, no, like you got to keep grinding. It's like doing the Gojira tour was like personally a dream come true for the members of the band, just because we all really, really like that band musically. Um, but then once we were on the tour, we were like, this is going to be work. Like, yeah, this is us playing in front of three fourths of a crowd that have, that has never heard us before. We got to like show them what's up. And was there some nights that you felt you just couldn't win them over? Whatever you did, you know, Gojira are in a league of their own. They're unbelievable. But you know that the mindset of those fans, like you said, are, are really heavy rockers and more of an older generation because it's such about the musicianship with that band and the time signatures and everything else. So were you trying to go to some shows and win people over and you just thought we could be here all night, but they're just not going to like us? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the and it, it wasn't noticeable. The tour was, in my opinion, a huge success for the band. Um, but there were nights when, um, so we, when we went into it, we were like, it's a metal tour. We have metal influence. They're gonna like the the metal parts of our music. Um, but then, like you said, Gojira is so much about the technicality and the musicianship, and there's a lot of. Uh, um, crazy time signatures and solos and the drummer is like the best metal drummer in the world yeah i agree Uh, so there that's something we like didn't take into consideration that some nights i would be like oh they're like music nerds here that like we we don't have any of the like flashy musicianship um so there were a couple nights, yeah, you would notice some people weren't like, weren't digging it, and um, but never like anything noticeable or disrespectful. Um, but it's it's the same thing. You just got to keep trying, I guess. I mean, we knew going into that tour that we weren't gonna walk away with everybody, but if we walk away with anybody, it's a win. And how does it feel now to kind of flip that and go out on your own on a UK tour? Um, I know, unfortunately, Europe dates have been pushed back, but with the UK that you get to headline, so you're not trying to win the crowd over. People have bought tickets for you, specifically for you. Does it feel great that you can kind of come back over and have some normality and be let off your leash again to be able to tour? Yeah, absolutely. It's a headlining is like a completely different beast. It's, um, it obviously comes with its own challenges, but it's exciting to be able to just put the show together as far as lineup, as far as venues, like just something that we know that uh, like a show that we're going to enjoy as a band and try to put something together that the fans can enjoy. And it's also been, I mean, the last time that we were over there was 2019 and that was the best year for us over there in the UK 
Germany and in, and in Europe, um, things just ended on such a high note right before everything locked down. So we've just been thinking about that and it just made me so excited to get back. So I've really, really been looking forward to this tour specifically. Um, yeah, and like you said, unfortunately the Europe dates got pushed back, but um, I just can't wait to be back over there. And you guys have been going almost 10 years, which is crazy, isn't it? When you stop and think now, it's like, wow, it's, it's a long time. Um, but you guys seem to be as hungry now as you ever have been. And I was wondering, when there's so many good bands out there that don't go the distance, you know, recently we lost Every Time I Die, which are just one of my favourite bands. And you see these bands that just, they just... They just, I don't know, it's, it's, I don't like the situation with Every Time I Die, I don't like it's all public, but you see these bands that have just had enough and they don't want it anymore, and they go on a hiatus, bands like Thrice, and luckily they come back, but some bands don't. You guys are obviously almost at a decade of doing what you do, but you seem more ambitious, more up for it, more hungry than you've ever been. So what do you think it is that keeps you guys going that other bands aren't doing at the moment? Yeah, um, it is very weird to hear you say that we've been a band for almost 10 years earlier when i was kind of telling the stories of like when we started playing together oh in my head i was like oh my god it's been almost 10 years <laughs> i don't know really i just think that like we all love i mean obviously we love doing this but it's we're all constantly working for working towards whatever's next and we're all very much on the same page as that and i think that um <clears throat> it just keeps us motivated to see where this can go because it's constantly taking us to places that we didn't expect yeah um they got at first obviously we started it because it was a lot of fun we we never started this because we never started touring to make it but things just felt like they were going up um like steps slowly and everything was like the next step up and now it's to the point where it's like it, it completely consumes our lives like it's like a full-time job for every single one of us and it's like so now we're like fighting to get to the next step the steps are maybe a little bit slower now because it's like you got to plan things out more and you got to think about like what is the best next step um, and I think that all of us just really enjoy that challenge. And luckily we're all on the same page as far as how we like this band to be represented. So we don't run into a lot of, uh, like problems behind the scenes as far as how to take those steps, because we, we all know how we all know what the band is and you're and all on the same page. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say, it must be amazing as well, seeing that you're growing, your fan base to every gig is going to be getting bigger. You're going to be selling out venues quicker, going up bills. And, you know, you said you've kind of, you've probably not reached where you want to go to yet. You know, some bands have just done it for so long, got this main stage at Slam Dunk or something, and that's it. So they just keep kind of like Groundhog Day. But seeing you go and get bigger stages and bigger venues and bigger tours. I mean, I saw you on the poster the other day for when we were young and it's like, fuck me, that lineup is insane. And it must be mind blowing to look at that poster and see yourself up there with stuff like My Chemical Romance, Paramore, Bring Me the Horizon. It's just insane. So I suppose you just, 
you're you're probably nowhere near the top of the ladder yet that you want to keep climbing. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like we've never been the kind of band that's looked at the top ever. It's it's never been one day we're going to be Metallica. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's much more how do we get to the next step? And like we we have those conversations. We had the conversation after our last headliner in the US in 2019. We had the conversation then is like, we should try to get support tours in the metal world. That's the only world that we haven't really like, um, it, like introduced ourselves into. So then it's like the next step is trying to get onto a tour like Gojira, you know what I mean? And And now it's like, let's do more stuff there. And it's always kind of just been like, the goal is the next step without losing the step that we're on. It's like, we're all, just, we're just fighting to not move backwards. I think you guys are evolving perfectly and seeing the venues you're playing and the sold out shows and your numbers going up on stuff like Spotify and more people wearing t-shirts of yours and stuff when I go to festivals. I think it's all natural and organic. So it must be great to just sit there and like you said, not aim to be stupidly, you know, successful like Metallica, because that doesn't happen anymore, especially in the world we're in now with music. You know, people don't buy music as much. So, and you don't want to be Metallica, you know, they're, they're arseholes, I think. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would love to be as big as Metallica, but maybe not um, who they are. But I mean, I, I do feel like every year you're watching bands that are from um, like our world break boundaries and do things that are completely unheard of. Like, I mean, like architects like yeah insane the stuff that architects has done while remaining heavy you know what i mean like they never really sacrificed who they were or what they sounded like and they just continue to be like astonishing uh, astonishingly big um they got number one over here in the uk so in the normal chart not just the rock chart or the metal chart in the number one album chart with bands like taylor swift and all this yeah. stuff they got the yeah. number one album that's what i mean like bands like that like they're doing their own thing and unintentionally bringing like it's the saying uh a rising tide raises all ships like bands like that who take out bands like counterparts is because I know that they've toured together. That's introducing thousands and thousands of people to counterparts that would have never heard them. And like that stuff really has like a ripple effect. Whereas like architects is doing things that bands like them have never done. And it brings it brings like all adjacent bands with them unintentionally. Same with like, dude, bring me the horizon. is like insane. Yeah. Like how, how big they are. And I mean, I remember I saw them in like 2000, I don't know, like an eight or nine. And they were just like a, a breakdown band. And now they're just like this huge rock band. It's insane. It won't be long until they're headlining Download Festival. I give it like five years and they'll be headlining the whole thing and it'll be insane. They yeah. they work hard and they're just growing and growing. That, that is another scale of growing. Like It's insane the amount of shows they're doing and the size of it is mad. Yeah. So so when you see stuff like that, it's like, maybe we'll be Metallica. You know what I mean? Like Maybe like there's just every year I feel like there's a band that 
takes things a step further or gets an opportunity that's like mind blowing them or like, I don't know. I feel like I could go on forever with examples, but you know what I'm trying to say. Of course, man, definitely. And the fact you got the Gajira tour where you said, let's set out and try and get on a tour with another, you know, metal band. It's more stuff like that, isn't it? I suppose your next thing would be something like Mastodon or something like that. Go on a, you know, a big tour like that or something like that, that sort of scale, especially like Gajira. I mean, that must have been a dream come true when that happened. Yeah, the, definitely a dream come true. That's a band that I feel like everybody in my band is very different musically. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, a, it's very rare that we can all agree on a band. And Gojira is a band that all of us like, and we would listen to it a lot in the van. So we got the tour offer before, um, like the, before everything shut down. Yeah. And we were just like, when it got taken away, we were like, man, I really, really hope that they come back and give us an offer for when things are rescheduled and, we just told our manager to tell their team, like, we're here whenever they're ready. And yeah, just call and we'll be ready. Yeah, so luckily they they sent us an offer for the rescheduled tour and we were like, yep, we're doing it. So, man, it was awesome. That was like two levels of excitement because we got the first offer and we were excited and then it got rescheduled. So when we got it again, we were excited all over again. And, and yeah, now it would be like just like – a bigger metal tour or but but that's the thing like we've always done anything so it's like when we were young is like a pop punk thing it's like who cares we'll play um like we would do pop punk tours we would do rap tours metal tours like just whatever it is i just think that when we made the decision to try to branch into metal it was because that was kind of a world that is unfamiliar with us so, uh, so far my final question for you today brian and it isn't an easy one is the outro music to every episode i put out it doesn't matter who it is an actor producer director anyone in the band usually finds this question the hardest but you get to choose the outro piece of music so it can be any band any song and that's never easy when you're in a band because there's probably 50 you could name. But what's a song that means a lot to you that you love personally, that you absolutely adore, that you'd love to be the outro song for today's episode? Yeah, this is a hard one, man. Um... Kind of the one that comes to your heart and soul because otherwise you'll get it down to five choices and then want to email me in a couple of days when you thought about it. But I like the one that is on the spot that comes to you that you just absolutely adore. It means so much to you. Yeah. Um, I'm going strictly off impulse. And the first thing that comes to my head, I'm I'm gonna say, "Long Day" by Matchbox Twenty. Oh, that album is incredible. Yeah, so that's my favorite band of all time, and uh, so I wanted to pick that because one, it's kind of a curveball. I feel like people would expect me to pick something with a breakdown. Um, two, it's my favorite band, and three, it's it has a really big um a really big ending and i feel like that's a really good climax for this podcast that's awesome i was not expecting that at all i remember listening to them about 20 years ago them and counting crows all the time and yeah. mashbox 20 that riff ding, 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 yeah. is so awesome but his vocals man even if you're not into that style of music you cannot deny that voice is up there with like eddie vedder for just complete yeah. pure rawness 
Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, like I said, it's my favorite band ever. So I could go on forever about them. I, I've, I've liked them my whole life. So yeah, hopefully this makes people dive in. They'll hear this song and they're like, I gotta check this band out. And then they'll think, Oh my god, I didn't realize it was this band. I've heard it on so many TV shows and adverts and films. But I mean, they're that, a great band. That first record, it's like the first half of it were all chart topping singles. Yeah, like it is. Reason. An anthem after anthem after anthem. Yeah. The best choruses as well to sing along to. It's like driving music. You can chill out at home to it. It's just an unbelievable album. Absolutely. Awesome, Brian. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I can't wait to come and see you guys. I'm going to come and see you guys in Wolverhampton. I think it's a week on Friday. Um, so I'll come and say hello. Um, yeah, come I'm just... say what's up. Let me know when you're there. I'll come say what's up. Yeah, I'm just crossing absolutely everything that it happens. Just every tour, I had tickets for Alice in Chains, Faith No More, and every oh, gig wow. is being cancelled. So I'm just, yeah. I really hope this time next week you're over here in the UK. Me too, man. Thanks so much for your time, dude. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to have you on. And uh, yeah, good luck with the tour and everything that's coming up. Yeah, thank you. And I'll see you next week. See you. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Brian Garris from the amazing band Knocked Loose. I hope now that after you've listened to this interview, if you're new to the band, go and check them out. Buy yourself an album, a vinyl, a CD, or get yourself a ticket to see them on tour. They're one of the most exciting bands out there. They put on one of the best live shows, and I've become absolutely besotted with their most recent EP. They really are one of the best bands out there, and you need to see them for yourself. I want to say a massive thank you for Brian for coming on the show and I can't wait to come and see you this week on the UK tour. If you're new to Mark and me and this is the first time you've listened, there's over 180 episodes available for you right now. They're all completely free and you'll find them on iTunes, Amazon Music, Podomatic or Spotify. I do my best to get them across all the platforms and they're always going to remain free. All I ask is that if you've enjoyed today's episode and you're a long-time listener or new, share it on your social media network on your Facebook, your Twitter and your Instagram. You have no idea just how much that brings a whole new audience to Mark and me. Each and every week I see different people sharing them across and more and more people then follow or check out the episodes and that is a huge marketing tool that costs me nothing but also is a great way to bring on new people to the podcast. I want to say thanks to everyone that shares it. I see more and more people doing it every week and it really does mean the world to me. I also have a Patreon account set up and the link is on markandme.com. On there, you can support the podcast for as little as £1 a month. At the moment, you're getting two to three episodes every single week. That's not a month, that's every week. But not only that, I'm going to start releasing exclusive episodes every single month for my Patreons to say thank you for supporting me. They won't be available anywhere else just for you guys. But not only that, thanks to the sponsors of the show, the amazing Vice Press, who in my opinion have the greatest posters on sale right now from the best artists in the world, they give me exclusive variant posters to give away. But not only that, the great guys at Last Exit to Nowhere, who have some incredible t-shirts, give me a t-shirt every single week to give away to one of my lucky patrons to say thanks for supporting me. And recently, I've started working with the amazing Richer Sounds. Those guys have given me some incredible headphones to give away this month. So jump onto my website or any of my social media to find out how you can be in a chance with winning those. I'll be back in only a few days time. Things are never going to slow down here and I'm releasing more episodes than I ever have. So until then, look after yourself, take care and I'll see you all soon. It's sitting by the overcoat, the second shelf, the notes she wrote that I can't bring myself to throw away.
And I'll so reach the set for no one else but you Cause you won't turn away when someone else is gone I'm sorry about the attitude I need to give when I'm with you But no one else will take this shit from me And I'm so terrified of no one else but me Yeah, well, I can't get myself to go away. Hey, it's me. And I can't get myself to go away. Oh, God, I shouldn't feel this way now. Reach down your hand in your pocket. Pull out some hope for me. It's been a long day. Always oh, say that right. No longer hand won't stop it. Just keep your trembling hand. It's been a long day. So fast, so fast, so what? So long. Just reach down your hand in your pocket, pull out some hope for me. It's been a long day. Always say that right when I lodge your hand, won't stop it. Just keep you trembling. Hope for me, it's been a long day. 